Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, Colts fans, and welcome to Colts Authority Radio's Offseason Audible. I'm your host, well, I'm your co-host, Greg Cowan. Our host, Kyle Rodriguez, is having some technical difficulties. So, I'm going to be filling in for just a moment. I hope everyone can hear me. I'm not sure what can be heard, what can't be heard. I have some stuff playing around in the background. So we are going to keep this going. He, Kyle is resetting right now. He says this has been a problem that's been going on for a couple of months with Blog Talk. Let me go ahead and tell you what's on tonight's show. Uh, joining us, hopefully, in not too long, will be uh, George Bremer. We will talk about the release of Laurent Landry. We will talk about the offseason, what positions the Colts are going to be looking at, some of the off-the-field issues they've been having. Ahmad Bradshaw was cited uh, for following too close on the highway and then found uh, pot in his car. How will those off-field problems affect the Colts' uh, decisions and free agency in the draft? The Colts have about $40 million in cap space. Okay. <laughs> I think Kyle's here now. Kyle? So this is like the second time this has done this this year. I did it once with a okay. podcast with Scott where I'm on and just talking and talking, and then I eventually people like will heck will tweet me or it'll be a co-host or it's people trying to listen and it'll just be nothing and nobody can hear anything. <laughs> so I, I called in and all I could hear was my keyboard clacking and I wasn't sure if it was you or not, so I muted mine and then the keyboard stopped and then I heard nothing so I messaged you and you said you were talking and I was like well I don't hear you so I messaged someone else who I know is listening and they said I can't hear anything but someone's keyboard so I was like okay well this is me so then I decided to take over and I haven't done this in forever so it was it was bad but that's okay so we're good to go now man I had a good intro and everything really well let's just start over go ahead well no I don't remember it's too late now (laughs) it was on the fly can't be repeated. <laughs> I, I, I know that few. All right. Well, you, you take us from here. Well, I, I, I was just saying, uh, you know, for everybody who wasn't listening, uh, that, you know, it's been a while since you and I have, have been doing this together. Greg, uh, we did it for a while. Well, we ended last year, but we were doing it for the first couple of years with Colts Authority when we first started up in what, 2012. 
And you guys obviously did the, the Check It to Pancakes podcast back in the day with Colton Villa and did one over the offseason then. And then Colts Authority Radio, we, we kind of did one over the offseason, but it was really sporadic and uh, just didn't really necessarily have the time or necessarily the topics to cover that we thought everybody would be interested in. But, but this year, uh, we're going to, at least I'm going to try and do one at least weekly and try and get some different guests on. Uh, Greg, hopefully you can join me when, when you can. And, uh, yeah, well, hopefully people will be interested. So we were getting some pretty good feedback uh, online. And I, I think people will really enjoy this. So I'm looking forward to it. One of the benefits of this new regime, it seems, is there are more off-season topics for you to discuss. Back when those other folks were here, you know, nothing happened in the off-season until the draft. And so you could talk around the draft. And then nothing happened after that. So you had a lot of dead, dead time. But now, you know, people are already getting cut. We could spend, you know, a week's worth of shows per inches on Laurent Landry's biceps and be covered for two years. So <laughs> lots of stuff to, to talk about now. So, it's, you know, I don't know if it's good based on what some of the topics are or not, but it's definitely more eventful than it used to be. It'll be fun. I, you know, I was going through the list, you know, the rundown that sent to, to George for some of the topics we're going to cover today. And yeah, a lot of them, obviously some negative ones, cutting guys and, you know, off the field problems and whatnot, but everybody is also hopeful during the off season. You know, you've got the draft and, and all the potential there. You've got free agency, which is basically, you know, fan uh, version of, of Madden during the off season where we can just plug and look for pretty much anybody to join which is always what happens. I I like during the offseason when people will ask me questions about guys I've never heard of, like like backups in Oakland, and you know, would they be a good fit in Indianapolis? I, I don't even know who that is. So, you know, sure, yes. I just generally revert to yes as the option, especially if it's like, can they replace Samson Satelli? Then the answer is always yes. All right, really uh, looks like... Okay, Looks like we've got uh, we've got George on the line. So, at least I think it's George. It's either George or somebody else. I don't know. Professionalism. <laughs> it's fine. So I'm assuming it's George. <laughs> uh, let me go ahead and bring on George. Reggie Wayne calls from before. So oh, we that was so much fun. <laughs> that was so, we're gonna hope it's George on that case. <laughs> All right, let me go ahead and bring him on. George, we got we got the right person on. You do. You do have the right person on. <laughs> when I did this with uh, with you and Derek during during the the season, we did this a couple times with you guys coming on, and uh, it always went really well. But it was always, you know, it was easy for me to tell when you guys are calling in because I never had anybody else call into those shows over the over the season. So now I've got got Greg calling in and and a couple people, you know. Readers and listeners said that they wanted to call in for this podcast over the the off season, so I'm just I'm all over the place, especially with the technical difficulties early on tonight. I'm just I'm just in a fritz, man. But really appreciate you coming on tonight and joining us, uh, the first off season podcast for us at, at CA Radio, and and you always do such a great job, George. Uh, so we appreciate it. Uh, how has no having problem. some how has having a little bit of time off, and I don't know about time off, but a little maybe a little less hectic with the the season ending a little bit for you? Yeah, I think it's always a lot of fun this time of year because you do you really get time off. Like you said, there's always something breaking. There's always 
something out there going on, but uh, it's nice to kind of sit back a little bit and get your thoughts together about what's happened and, and what it all means and maybe, you know, where things are going forward. And, and I always look forward to the combine because I feel like, you know, this week is the start of the 2015 season. Once we get down there, uh, get all the prospects together, get pretty much every decision maker in the league in there, and you start seeing teams begin to form for next season, it's a lot of fun. It seems like it's a long way until the next football season and in some respects and in other respects. Uh, you look at the combine, you realize free agencies right around the corner from that. Doesn't seem so long after all. Now, George, if I'm uh, if I'm correct, you were promoted to sports editor down down at the Herald Bulletin this year. Am I on the right track? You are correct. Yeah, that happened uh, well, uh, early part of December. Well, congratulations on that. You have uh, a little bit more. Do you, you still get to focus on the Colts a little bit, or uh, do, do you spread out a little more now? I'm still focused on the Colts a lot, but, I, you know, obviously spread out throughout the area. Uh, it makes a lot of fun. You, you have very little downtime, but that's better than the alternative. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, we're just going to jump right in. Obviously, we've got a, a lot of different things to talk about tonight with uh, the Colts being a team that did not decide to take much of a break in terms of off-season stuff before they got right into it. Uh, last week, was you know, the big news was the release of Ron Landry, along with a couple other guys, Xavier Nixon and Andrew Jackson as well. Uh, but the big story really was Landry. In the middle of his four-year contract, it was a $24 million contract when it was signed, uh, he he was paid the bulk of it early on. I, I think it was like ten million in the first year with the the signing bonus and the the uh, base salary there. So big contract, and obviously he was a big name guy that was you know, compared to to potentially being a Bob Sanders for Indianapolis when he was brought in. Uh, really disappointed, and then had some off field issues. Was suspended this year for a four game suspension for PED use. So uh, you know disappointing. Now we're looking. For you know, looking at moving forward without a guy like Ron Landry, without a starting safety really on the roster. Uh, George, what was your initial reaction when you first heard about the release? Yeah, at first I was a little bit surprised just because it was a little more aggressive than what we've seen uh, from the Colts the last couple of years. I mean, I think there's been every season probably since Ryan Grixon took over three, four, five guys that people want to see jettisoned and, you know, usually that that hasn't happened, or it's happened much later in the off season. To see them be that decisive that quickly, uh, I think it, it kind of sent a message about where they're at right now and, and the way the team's thinking. And it certainly makes all kinds of sense from a football standpoint. And he's a guy that was brought in coming off of a Pro Bowl season with the Jets. He was paid like a Pro Bowler. He hasn't performed anywhere near that level. Uh, so I don't think it was a tough decision financially to make. Saves the team, I think, about $2.5 million, somewhere in that two, $2.5 million uh, on the salary cap. But, but what was interesting is that cap savings and the move this week gets them up to about $5 million. You wonder, are they, are they starting to stockpile? Is there a bigger move out there? You know, Is there a grand plan behind all of this? Well, let's go there then, George. Do you think there is a grand plan, you know, People were applauding or lauding Grigson for his aggressiveness in free agency the first few years of his tenure. Now I think there's been some questions about where that money's been spent. I, I don't think I'm inserting my own bias here. With the and, and the release of Landry sort of puts the spotlight on that. 
I got the feeling from some of his comments earlier in the year that he might not be as aggressive in free agency, and maybe it'll be smaller moves. What is your sense, you know, with these releases, where he's going? And maybe you can assume that Trent Richardson's contract will be voided also. Where do you think they're going in free agency? What do you see them doing there? And how will it compare to what they've done in the past? I think that's going to be one of the most fun things to, to talk with Grixon about here this week. He's going to talk on Thursday at the Combine. And when we talked to him at the end of the season, I sensed a real shift kind of in the philosophy. It was interesting uh, because he was talking about previous three years, it was still a young team. They were really building a foundation still, building from the ground up. And he really shied away from signing older players, more experienced players, because he felt like he wanted to give the younger guys chance to prove themselves or, you know, make their way in the league. And it just didn't, in his mind at that time, it just didn't really fit to add a bunch of veterans in with that group. Now, he says, things have changed. The team's evolved. And he specifically said that, you know, they're going to look at everybody now. Uh, They're not going to have necessarily, I know in the past, his age limit, I think he said, was 31. Uh, I know Mike Adams was was the first guy really to exceed it that he signed. And then even that happened late last summer, almost it was late May, early June. Uh, but it sounds like that's not going to be necessarily on the table now. It's not going to be something that they're concerned with. He said specifically, they just want to look for the best free agents, the best draft picks that fit what they're trying to do. So I think they are going to be aggressive, and I think it'll be interesting to see in what areas. Because obviously you've got some you've got some major contracts coming up. I think mean, Anthony Costanzo is on the last year. He's on the option year now of his draft deal. And then you've got that 2012 class coming up uh, with several players, notably Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton, who are going to get paid a lot of money. And you know maybe that's what all the salary cap shuffling is really about, just trying to to clear out as much space as they can ahead of that. But it wouldn't surprise me if they try to get in on. Maybe somebody like Indomitian Sue, maybe somebody like Justin Houston, if he's not able to come to terms with Kansas City. And there was news today that uh, they're not really all that close right now. And obviously it takes one day, one meeting to change that. But there are a couple guys out there potentially who could really make a a difference on this defense. And I think when you look at the AFC Championship game, you look at the team as a whole, the number one thing they need is blue-chip premier talent on the defensive side of the football. The, the release of Landry was surprised. Do you think there could be any more cuts coming up, surprise maybe, that people don't see right now? Yeah, I guess Sean Phillips surprised me for the simple fact that I, I thought his contract had already expired. I wasn't aware he had another year left on the deal. Uh, but outside of that, I, you mentioned Trent Richardson earlier, and I think that's pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point. I can't really see any scenario where it's good for him or good for the team to try and bring him back and, and go through another season together. Uh, outside of that, I don't know if there's really a lot left. Uh, there's not a whole – it is interesting in that a lot of those deals that, that have been signed over the last couple of years, they really were about two-year deals. It, they, they were four on paper, but very many of them had a chance to get out of it in this season. Some of them saved a little more money than the others. I don't know if there's really anything that sticks out at me uh, right now on, on the contract front that, that you can look at and say that's going to save, you know, X amount of dollars and then it makes sense and they may make that move. I think Landry is something that we talk about, uh, you know, we in the media room talk about maybe is 
early as November or December during the suspension, uh, you start to look around and, and realize they could save money by releasing him is something they might do. Uh, I don't think you're going to rule anything out, though, because one of the other things that Gerson said is that there ought to be a fire in this team right now. There ought to be a sense of you know longing because of the way the season ended, because you were so close to the Super Bowl and then you had such an embarrassing loss. And he said specifically at the end of that answer, anybody who doesn't have that fire is not going to be here. So it'll be interesting to see how much how deep they are into that pro- process. But I think there's guys, if they don't feel like you're on board, they're not going to hesitate to go in and find somebody else. George, you mentioned you know all these guys that came on and, and came on on, on two-year or, or four-year deals. Uh, and we talked, we've talked about on this podcast a lot how, how those were structured and they, they gave the Colts an out. And we're kind of at that point now with, with a lot of those free agent contracts, you know, from, especially from like the 2013 free agency class and some of last year's as well. Uh, but the problem, I guess, you know, if you want to consider it a problem, is that for a lot of these positions, the Colts don't really have anybody behind them. Uh, you know, to take their their place if they were to save money by cutting, you know, a Greg Toller or an Eric Walden or whatever else. Uh, and and part of that is is just because some of these young guys haven't developed as quickly as they've hoped, and and some of it is because you know guys like Toller or Walden, for example, have played you know they've played well enough to hold on to those spots. Maybe not reaching Gregson's highest expectations, but but well enough. Uh, for Trent Richardson, this is one that really interests me because obviously we've talked about him a lot. But the Colts don't have a whole lot of options behind him either at the running back position. So, you know, when you look at how his relationship with the Colts kind of soured at the end there, I mean, how drastic did it really have to be for the Colts to say, okay, yeah, we're just going to, we're, we're going to have to cut ties with you at this point? Yeah, you know, I don't know drastic is necessarily the, the key word here, uh, but it's certainly, it's, Kind of, I think, to a point where it just doesn't work for either side. I mean, it's really a business at its heart, and you can't really see a whole lot of good things coming for Trent Richardson if he comes back. I can't see where something's going to change next year that wasn't present in the previous two years. It's going to turn on for him and allow him to, to become, you know, even really a good, solid starter at that position. Uh, his numbers have just been so far below anything that, that, that would be considered acceptable. Uh, in two straight years, he's been benched. Uh, you know, he's ended the season behind guys who were in this season, in season behind a guy who wasn't even certain to make the roster coming into training camp. Uh, so I think it's really just reached that point now where I don't see any really fundamental reason for the Colts to bring him back, and I don't see any real fundamental reason for him to want to be back. Probably best for all parties for him to move on the Colts to move on, and I think you're right. There's not a lot of options on the roster behind him. You basically got Boom Heron and Zerlin Tipton, and that's the end of the list. But if you look out there, it's a fairly solid draft class. Uh, it wouldn't have to go even in the early rounds. It's a pretty deep draft class with, with guys that look like they have potential running back, and it's a pretty good free agent class at that position. So I think there are enough options for them to go and turn to uh, then it wouldn't be that difficult to walk away from Richardson. And I really expect to see that happen probably sooner rather than later. As far as some of the other positions, I think you're dead right with Toller's a, a perfect example because uh, after Greg Toller right now, Darius Butler's a free agent, Josh Gordy's a free agent, and you got to go down to Sheldon Price to find a guy on the roster. <laughs> he just came up to the to the main roster at the end of the year. 
I have literally no experience in the NFL this position. Uh, so it doesn't make sense to cut Toller, uh, even if there's a monetary savings there, because who takes his place? So it'll be interesting to see. And he did play, especially this year, you know, he did some good things for them. It's not great things, not things to, to live up to probably the highest expectations when he was signed, but good enough things to where you say, oh, here's a spot that we really don't have to worry about. That being said, I think cornerback is a big, big question mark coming in this year because of what we just mentioned. You can't go from Bonte Davis and Greg Toller to Sheldon Price and feel comfortable going into the season. Uh, that's a spot you can see targeted in the draft, targeted in free agency. I think safety now becomes a big, huge question mark with, with Mike Adams as a free agent, the release of Lauren Landry. Uh, anywhere in that defensive backfield I think is going to be interesting to watch. But it will also be interesting because of the way this, the contracts are, are, have been structured to see if, if this changes as it goes. Is this a situation where if they sign somebody to defensive line, does it maybe change the position that Ricky Jean Francois is in, for instance? You know, if they sign an outside linebacker, does it change Eric Walden's circumstances? If they sign a corner, does it change Greg Toller's status? It'll be interesting to watch. I think there's a lot of, of moving pieces possibly out there, and, and I think each move may determine you know where they go with the next one. That's one of the things that's so difficult to to judge at this point. You know, you have and George, I'm sure you get the same thing when you're, you know, you're you're writing articles or you're on Twitter or whatever else, and and you know, part of the job is to start looking ahead to the to the draft and say, okay, where are the Colts going to target and whatnot. And, and at this point, it's so it's so inconclusive because, you know, we don't know. I mean, this team is going to have probably you know they they could have ten new guys coming in in the next month and a half before the draft even even is a week or two away. So this is going to be a very different team uh, with as much Colt, or as much cash space as the Colts have. This could be a very different team uh, when the draft actually rolls around. So it's, a little bit of that is, is real difficult to project. Uh, we talked about Landry, George, and we talked about uh, some other guys. Ahmad Bradshaw was recently cited for marijuana possession in Ohio at a traffic stop, and, and he wasn't, from the sounds like he wasn't actually arrested, but he's got to go back for a court date this week, I think tomorrow. Uh, and then we talked about, you know, Landry, and, and he had a suspension this year, and, and Xavier Nixon had had some issues, and Andrew Jackson had uh, a DUI the, the week before he was released. The off-field issues were too much, I think, for a lot of Colts fans this year. And the release of Andrew Jackson, the release of Landry, I think you know it kind of shows. I think that the Colts are a little bit fed up, and there's there's some some cleaning up that has to do. Is that going to affect how they look at this year's draft, or how they look at free agency in terms of being maybe a little bit more cautious about signing those you know those high potential but also high risk kind of guys? I think it would be difficult for it not to have some effect uh, because of the things that you just mentioned. You look down that list. And a lot of guys, even before, you know, Andrew Jackson got cut for basically the same thing that Derek Rogers got cut for during the regular season. Uh, so, you know, they kind of tried to send a message before, it seems like, and it's just not happening. I think, for me personally, the most disturbing thing about the most recent ones is that it's not just, not that there's good times for this to happen or that there's good players on the roster for it to happen too, but these last two in particular, or two of the last three, pillars of that locker room, leaders, you know, guys that, that you look at uh, top five, top ten guys in terms of leadership in that locker room with DeQuell Jackson, 
and his arrest out in his home in, in Washington, D.C., and then Ahmaud Bradshaw, and I think that's where it's really kind of concerning when it's the guys who are setting the tone, you know, the guys who are at the top of the food chain in the locker room who are getting into that trouble. I'm sure that's going to open any organization's eyes, and I think it will make a difference as they go forward. Uh, you look at a guy, I always mess up his name, I think it's Doyle Green Beckham. I always get it confused mm-hmm. the last two. Uh, but, you know, there's a guy, people projected towards the end of the first round, physically looks like a freak, has great, you know, on-field potential, but off the field, a lot of troubles. He got released at Missouri, got a kickoff team there, didn't get eligible at Oklahoma. Uh, you know, you wonder now, maybe last year, had they had a first-round pick and been in that position, that's the guy that might have been on the radar. Maybe this year they're looking in a different direction because they're happening just so many of these instances, and I think you really, like you said, you see, you see the team responding, you see them getting rid of some of these guys. I don't think it's something they want to have to be discussing again next year at this time. Kind of shifting directions a little bit, George. Uh, backup quarterback was a real focus for this team uh, when Andrew was first brought into the league with Matt Hasselbeck and his contract's expiring, do you have any sense of if they'll go the veteran route or maybe start drafting backups now? And is it still an area where they're focused, or was that just because Luck was young and they wanted someone to help him in that process of growing up? I know with Matt Hasselbeck in particular, they really are happy with with the way he came in, basically served as an assistant quarterback's coach, and really just kind of sped up Luck's development in terms of things that Hasselbeck had seen that he could kind of pass on to Luck, even in the middle of the game, you know, watching what a defense has done. And and Matt obviously has seen everything you can possibly see in the NFL and is able to kind of relay that to to Luck. I'm not sure where they're going to go right now. It's interesting because Hasselbeck's still around the team a little bit. He's still doing videos on the team's website. And you don't know, is that an indication that maybe – Things are going well, and they're going to bring him back on a, on a smaller deal, uh, you know, for another year or two. Certainly, could see them drafting somebody late in the in the draft, round six, round seven, uh, developmental type of guy. And I could also see him go after, you know, maybe a mid-range type of a of a free agent that that could fill the role for a little bit. But I definitely think, if not this season, in the very near future, to transition away from that uh, from from the veteran type of a presence, It'll start drafting guys to develop, start using it kind of the way it was when, when Bill Polian was here and Peyton Manning was under center, because Luck really has, uh, in his first three years, shown that he's durable, shown that he's a guy that, that probably doesn't need, uh, you know what to say that because you jinx it, uh, but, but probably doesn't need to have that, that safety net, uh, certainly not at, at a high cost. And obviously there's going to be things they have to cut back on as they start re-signing these younger guys, you have to figure the backup quarterback spot's going to be one of the first ones to, to take a pay cut. When he tears his ACL in week one this year, you know you know who to blame now, George. <laughs> exactly. Uh, George, kind of shifting back from looking ahead at who could be on the roster next season and, and looking at you know, who's been on this roster for the last few years and, and who's kind of going to be the core of this team going forward. When you look at the Colts and you look at, at the guys, uh, especially looking at some of the young guys 
uh, who have been you know either drafted over the last couple of years or brought in on one of those you know, those free agent contracts that we talked about. Do you see you know do you see anybody as somebody who really needs to or or has a really high potential of stepping up and maybe becoming one of those uh, you know core players of you know next season? Yeah, I think the one guy that, that kind of springs to mind for me, and it's sort of, I guess, cheating or, or a little bit of an obvious choice, but it is Dante Moncrief, just because uh, you saw flashes this year. You, know, you saw moments. The play in the playoff game against the Bengals, um, you know, it was a great play by Luck, obviously, but he's, he stayed with it. Moncrief stayed with it, was ready when the ball was thrown, you know, gets a touchdown there. It's a huge play and a huge moment for that football game. Uh, there were other moments during the year where you really kind of opened your eyes. He had some catches, especially on the sideline. Where he had to kind of contort his body, fend off a defender, stay in bounds, make the catch. Just things that, that make you think there's there's quite a bit there. And he could very well be in a position, depending on how things play out, where he could open the season as the number two receiver for this team. Now, obviously, we've got a long way to go with free agency, with whatever Reggie Wayne's going to do. But I could even envision a situation where Reggie Wayne comes back and he's number three or number four and Moncrief is up ahead of him just because of, you know, the potential that Moncrief has and the fact that, that Reggie Wayne has lost something uh, to father time. Uh, it will be very interesting to see how that receiver core shakes out. I think Deron Carter is a very intriguing addition, but he's also a very raw addition. Uh, to that group, I wouldn't expect him to be a starter right away, maybe not even a number three guy right away. All those things to me kind of point to Moncrief taking on a bigger role and really getting even further under T.Y. Hilton's wing and maybe adding another weapon to this offense. And certainly, I think he's a guy that, that you could see as being kind of a core guy uh, for this team in the near future. The other one, and it's sort of in the same boat, is Jonathan Newsom. Uh, he led the team in sacks this year, which was six and a half, which isn't, you know, a massive figure. But for a rookie, that's a that's a good job, especially a guy who had to earn his way onto the field. Didn't really get a lot of playing time early in the year, and he's another guy that right now, with free agency to come and the draft to come, uh, is really in a hugely important position for this team, and they need him to kind of step forward and and get closer to being a double digit kind of sack guy. Yeah. George, uh, sorry, Kyle and I are arguing over who's going to go next. He's always been the spotlight for me. <laughs> um, do you? This is going to. I think this is giving too much validation to certain people, but I'm going to ask it anyhow. What sort of sense? And this is a team that just went to the AFC Championship game. What sort of sense do you get that the team's management group feels any sort of pressure to continue to? get to the next level. And like I said, they just made the AFC Championship game, but there are some out there who are probably never going to be happy. They'll find a reason to complain even if they win the Super Bowl. And I'm sure it's ironic that I'm the one asking this question in this manner. But do you think they feel any pressure to to improve? I think Houston was really close to them, and they, were, they had a dinosaur or a corpse or something at quarterback last year. Do they feel pressure at all, or do you think the organization understands that they have to get over that Patriot hump, but they're still generally happy with where they are? I think they're happy with where they are to some extent, uh, but it was really interesting the way Grigson answered that question, I thought, in the postseason uh, news conference, because he, he kind of said, you know, it's, it was a fun ride, and we went 
to a decent place, and it was all good and well. But the goal is not just to win that game and not just to get to the Super Bowl, but to win the Super Bowl. And he went there really quickly. I mean, he almost immediately changed the subject from making the AFC Championship game to saying that's not the goal. The goal is to win it all. And, and they've really been that way uh, since 2012. And I, I think as things have progressed, though, it changes. I think it's one of those interesting dynamics where what's going on inside the building uh, with the team and management and the coaches and Jim Irsay, and then what's going on outside the building with the media and the fans, two different perspectives. You know, I think a lot of us on the outside kind of looked at 2012 and thought, if they win five or six games, this will be a great season. This this will be a, a wonderful thing. And then as that year went on, everybody just got happier and happier with what was going on and then more and more surprised. But I think from that day on, the management, the upper, the front office, was already thinking this team should be a playoff team. This team needs to do these things. So I think the pressure, we start seeing it on the outside because you look at where they are and you start thinking, you know, wow, this team is now starting to do some things that, that could put them among the NFL's elite. They obviously have a long way to go. Uh, you see the flaws in some pretty obvious areas uh, for this group, but things are definitely moving in the direct, right direction. I think maybe internally it's not as big a change because I think they're probably where they want to be or maybe even a little bit further behind than they wanted to be at this point. Uh, so it's one of those fun dynamics to look at, you know, from outside in. Uh, but that being said, I think there's always a ton of pressure when you get to that championship game level, because especially in the Colts case, every year you've gone one step forward here. This next step is a pretty big step. And if they're going to advance one step further next year, they've got to go to the Super Bowl, and that would be a tremendous leap, I think, for this team right now. Not that they're not close to it, but when you lose the AFC Championship game by 38 points, you have a defense that gave up 40 or more points in three of its five losses this year, it's obviously a little bit of a push still to get to that point. It'll be interesting to see how they react. That's why I think this offseason, not that every offseason isn't important, but this offseason is so very important because you're really at a point with this team now where if they slide backwards a little bit, you will start to hear that talk. You will start to hear people really coming out of the woodwork saying, what's wrong. They went to the NCAA championship game last year. They couldn't get back. Uh, and if you move forward, then you're talking about playing for the ultimate prize in the game. So if there's not pressure there, I don't know how you'd be human, but I don't know that it's a new, if that makes any sense. I don't know if it's a new feeling to Ryan Grigson and to his staff. You know, George, that's such a good point too. Even if, you know, even if the Colts hadn't necessarily lost by 38 in that AFC championship, you're looking at a team, you know, making the jump from, you know, a, a good playoff run, uh, winning a couple playoff games to to a Super Bowl team. I mean, it's it's just such a big jump. Yeah, you know, and getting to the playoffs is one thing. Winning a division is one thing. You know, winning a playoff game is another thing. You know, getting to the Super Bowl that's just it's just such on on such a higher level uh, that you know making that leap, like you said, is is such a, a bigger project than than what we've been looking at so far. Uh, kind of to to send you out here, George. Last question. When you look at this team, and you mentioned it's such an important off season, and you look at them, what do, what is your kind of your most important player, or the, I guess the most important type of player for them to acquire? You know, either in free agency, but I'm I'm more thinking kind of in the draft. Like if you could select one stud kind of player for this team to draft, uh, you know, what what would we be looking at? 
in all honesty, I think if they could find their answer to J.J. Watt, it would it would start to solve so much for this team. Uh, because I think you look at, obviously, the defensive line in, in a 3-4 has a different goal uh, than it does in, in a lot of the 4-3 sets. But you look at what J.J. Watt's been able to do down in a 3-4 down in Houston, get that pressure consistently on the quarterback, to be a guy that defenses have, that offenses have to game plan for from, you know, probably two weeks before the game, uh, not just the, the first week. Uh, I think it really changes everything about that defense. It's really the reason why Houston is as dangerous as they are. And I think if the Colts can go and find that kind of disruptive force, and I don't – you're not going to find J.J. Watt. You're not going to – Yeah, just, just find J.J. Watt, that's all. <laughs> yeah, you know, just do that, that'll be fine. If they can find somebody who can get to 65% of that, you know, 60% of that, uh, and help bring that defensive line up. I think that's the one single thing they could do to have the biggest impact because that would affect everything. It would affect the run defense. It would affect the pass defense. Give the secondary a little more time back there than, than they've had in the past. You know, it, it really affects everything. But I really think they've got to do something at all three levels of the defense this year. Like I said, I, I would start with a nose tackle if it was me, whether that's a draft pick, whether it's a free agent signing. I think that's where they could really get get a push right right away. And then you look at the inside linebacker depth right now, it's almost non-existent. could get even worse depending on how cases and things play out over the, the rest of the offseason. Uh, you're going to have to add somebody there. I can't see how that, that's not going to happen. You probably need an outside linebacker, some kind of pass rusher, maybe two, uh, because you don't know what Robert Mattis' status is going to be. I know there's conflicting reports today about – whether he did have a setback or he didn't have a setback. Of course, his agent isn't going to say he did, no matter what. Uh, but whether it was a significant setback, whether it's an insignificant setback, even if everything went perfectly fine, he's a 34-year-old pass rusher coming back from a serious injury to his foot. So there's going to be an impact there, and I think you've got to be prepared for that. You've got to add something there. And then as we talked before, I think all over the defensive secondary, there's no starter right now at safety. There's no depth at cornerback. Uh, that's where the focus would be. If you can pick up some offensive linemen along the way, great. You're not going to be able to do everything in one off season, and I really think defensively is, is where it needs to start and where the focus really needs to be. Like you said earlier, you just kind of need some more. You know, you need that blue chip elite, you know, talent core talent that you can build on. And, and I, as long as they get that, it could be almost good to just be at any position. But I definitely hear you about that defensive line that can affect so many things. Uh, well, George, again, really appreciate you coming on. Again, uh, George Bremer, the Herald Bulletin, now the sports editor at the Herald Bulletin, does such a great job there in in, in Anderson. Uh, George, we'll, we'll hopefully we'll have you again on here later this summer, later this, this offseason, to talk about the free agency, the draft, everything, obviously, that goes on. Uh, for you, where uh, you know, what should we be looking out for you? Just Are we just looking at, at – the Harold Bolton website this off season. Are you going to be continuing to do podcasts with Nate, or are you guys done with that for the year? Uh, we're done with the podcast for the year, unfortunately, but we're hoping to get it started up again, maybe in the summer around the time of training camp, and definitely at, at HaroldBolton.com. This will be a big week. Uh, I think both Chuck and uh, Ryan are talking on Thursday, and it's got, there's already been so much happening in, in this off season. It's going to be interesting to get their take on that and. Like I said, I think free agency starts March 9th, and I have a feeling it's going to be a newsworthy offseason for the Colts. Hopefully in a good way. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, again, George, really appreciate it, and uh, we'll look forward to having you on again. And if, again, everybody, if you follow George on Twitter at GM Bremer B R E M E R, you'll get all the uh, up-to-date news and, and quotes and everything else from this week at Combine, and then uh, at theheraldbulletin.com as well. George, really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Thank you, George. Man, love having George on every time. He's great. As do I. I uh, I was just thinking while he was answering one of our questions, I really do appreciate the way he answers a question. It's very, I don't do interviews, but it's very friendly. And um, I don't know, it just it makes it easy on us as question answers. So I always enjoy having him on. And I enjoy his answers, whereas like, if we ask the Trent Richardson question, he doesn't say, well, I watched him in college, so he should be starting. <laughs> well, and he's not. George, is a, George isn't afraid to, you know, to give his, his real opinion on guys and, and whether or not they were disappointing or, or whether or not, you know, he, he doesn't make excuses. And he, he I, I don't know, he doesn't. Some, you know, a lot of people, too, when you're in the media and you're interacting with the Colts all the time, you know, you have to be a little bit, you know, you be careful and make sure you're toeing the line and, and being respectful of a lot of these guys. And George is very respectful, but he's also he's also honest. And, and I think that's uh, you know it's a big reason why we get along with him so well and and uh, love having him on here. So I do wonder uh, if he has a benefit of ahead. being in Anderson, where he's not like he still has to have like you mentioned he's still polite and respectful. But I wonder if having that distance gives you the ability to maybe be a little more. Because to, to me, I, I feel like there's a definite difference in coverage. The first, well, I don't know how far is Terre Haute because Tom James, I guess. Never mind, this whole theory is wrong. George is just good at what he does. Okay. <laughs> George is great. We love him. We love. We, I mean, all these guys that come on, uh, they do a great job, and, and we really appreciate them coming on. George is definitely, definitely one of the favorites. So, uh, Greg. Yes. I don't know what's next on the schedule because I don't really make a schedule. I just made a list of questions to ask George, and uh, I figured me, well, and me and you could just kind of spitball it. Yeah, it's been a while since we 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 talked. It's uh, actually the whole season, and a lot's happened. I feel like there is a very, you know, linear conversation we can have here. Okay. I, okay. I think we can start with, uh, you know, you and I sort of do these 140 character conversations oh, on Twitter. Okay. I I throw out something to you and you tell me why I'm wrong and then I give you a smart ass <laughs> answer because I don't I don't want to argue with you. And uh we go from there. And then I think we can transition into the off season. So for me, I know that you're very not I don't want to put words in your mouth. You're you're okay Do with it. where the Colts are right now. Right? You're you're you weren't disappointed in the season. Uh yeah. I mean I wasn't disappointed in the season. I, I, I guess it kinda went as my, I don't want to say exactly how I expected necessarily, but it, it, it was on the higher end, I guess, of my expectations. So, I mean, I was, you know, it was one of those things I was fairly happy with how it all turned out. See, for me, I, I feel like, and, and I tried to articulate this on Twitter, but it, it's hard, and I feel like some people think that I'm way too overly negative towards the Colts, and especially when I say it immediately after they get trounced by the Patriots, I think maybe it's too hard to make the point then, I don't know if the Colts were, were significantly better as a team. I think they had a better 
season because they made it around further in the playoffs. But for me, as an entire team, the special teams is good. The offense did some new things. Especially in the middle of the season, they were a really, really good offense. Like, no, that's underselling it. They were elite, maybe the best offense in the league. And they they lost that, whatever they had going at the end of the season, and they sort of got it back in spurts in the playoffs and until the Patriots game. But for me, it was sort of just really similar to how last year ended minus, you know, just where they met the Patriots uh, was, was rearranged. So maybe, maybe the Colts improved. Maybe we're in a situation right now where the entire AFC minus the Patriots is, you know, kind of jumbled up, you know, maybe the Colts are, second, third, fourth, fifth best in the conference, but the Patriots are just that much better. But see, I don't really view it that way. I just think that they're a really bad matchup for this Colts team. Yeah, I think That's they're a, a bad matchup. And I think, well, I mean, I think they're a bad matchup, and I think they're just so well coached. And that, I mean, that has a huge impact. Not, I mean, and I think if you've you know, read or followed the tweets or anything else, not you, Greg, but you know anybody listening, I, I think Pagano and I think the coaching staff had a good year. I mean, I think I think they did a pretty good job on the year as a whole. But when you look at those individual matchups with the Patriots, I mean, they got outcoached. I mean, they got outplayed as well, but but they got outcoached, and that was a big reason why those games were as lopsided as they were. Um, you know, I, I think Pagano has a lot of strengths and weaknesses, but I don't necessarily think that, you know, you look at those X's and O's matchups, and, and I, I, the Colts really aren't a team that you look at and you say, well, that I just wasn't expecting them to do that this game, and that that turned out really well. And, and you know, you don't see the kind of on-field brilliance from the strategic standpoint that you do from a guy like Belichick, or even a guy like you know, like Sean Payton or Chip Kelly, or some of the more innovative, uh, you know, strategists in the in the league. Uh, so I think that is a re- one thing that they they have to overcome a little bit if they're going to beat the Patriots. Is they have to be you know, better prepared and they have to come up with some, some better you know, tactics when they go up against a team like that. Not only a team that's well coached, but a team that is so versatile that they can do a lot of different things. So when you look at, you know, what they do one game versus what they do the next game, it's it's hard to prepare for. And I think you've seen that from the Colts over the last two seasons and all their matchups with the Patriots. Um, for me, you know, going back to kind of your original question, the the team being better than it was last year, I, I just don't even. <laughs> and we talked about this on Twitter. I just I just don't think that's even a question. I guess for me because I look at this team like it's absolutely better than it was last season. Uh, when you look at maybe final rankings and stuff, it's not all that different. But I think you look at what they did. You, know, you look at the Colts' offense, for example, and you know, at the end of the season with all some of their turnover issues uh, in the back half of the season and, and some of the lack of efficiency, they're, you know, they're about the same place and maybe even lower in some areas. But I think if you look at the heights that this offense got to, I mean, like you said, this offense got to a point where it was the best in the league uh, for for a few weeks there in the middle of the season. And, and that's a height that we never would have seen from them last year. And, you know, you look at Pat Hamilton and what he did with the offense and changing more to a vertical, you know, to a vertical downfield, let Andrew just drop back and swing it uh, versus where they were trying to establish to run so much last year. You know, I think that was a big change that obviously was a big improvement. And then you look at the defense, and I they, they got blown out by a few teams, and that was embarrassing. But over the course of the season, 
they were, I think, a better defense overall. I mean, maybe not by much, but better. And they, they did it without Robert Mathis. So and I, I don't think you can necessarily discount that fact either, although it's not something you can say, well, he'll be back, so they're going to get even better because we don't really know what we're going to get from them yet. When you look at the Patriots game specifically, do you think – I had a conversation with someone about this. And when you look at it, do you think that they lost by – was it an offensive problem that, you know, they were outcoached in offense or a defensive problem? I, I mean, it's both, isn't it? I mean – Yeah, I guess. But, see, my my <laughs> issue was people were blam- like, oh, luck's got to be better. But I think at some point you have to just – it's okay if you say, you know what, defense, I need you to keep it close for four quarters. Yeah. We saw this with the Manning offenses. It sometimes it takes more than two or three quarters to figure a defense out. It was fourteen to seven through two, I think. Right? I don't. Yeah. But then it just it, it explodes and it's downhill. And I, I think it was, you know, they were kind of lucky. They were only down by seven at halftime because not lucky, but it could have been worse. Certainly, the the level of play on the field wasn't really indicate indicative of the score. But, you know, it was close, and, you know, you're just asking them, keep it a little closer, keep it close for one more quarter, give us to the fourth, and we'll figure something out. But it just explodes, and then, you know, once you're down by two scores and three scores, the, the offense is done because you're not going to come back, again, you know, against Belichick without being able to run your entire offense. He's just going to tee off, and he's been the one person, the one coach, the, and that the Patriots have been the one defense more than anyone who – are so good at neutralizing all of Luck's skills. I don't know exactly what they do because I don't break down tape and stuff like you do, but I do know when I watch them, they're very disciplined. And they're very good at not letting him use his legs at all, but then they still get to him. And it, it's really impressive in a, wow, I hate my life sort of way. <laughs> so that that's definitely something they have to uh, overcome. The one thing I'll say, though, you you talked about how they took the reins off of Andrew and just let him be himself and sling it. I do feel like, and this is going to sound weird, or maybe this will actually validate all the things I've said over the past uh, in the past few years. I feel like the run got lost in the shuffle sometimes. I feel like yeah. they they became so good at throwing they actually forgot to keep teams off balance, and I, I felt like. It was okay to do that when Trent was the running back because running with him was just giving away possessions, you know, just giving away downs. But when uh, the Zerlon and uh, Boom were in there, I I felt like they were actually good enough to give regular carries too. And I feel like they made themselves one-dimensional unnecessarily. And it worked up until the point that it didn't. But I, I really feel like that's something that they need to self-scout, be self-aware of next year. And hopefully having a healthy offensive line, I understand that it really wasn't by the end of the year. Hopefully having a healthy offensive line next year will allow them to be a little more complete, a little more balanced. And that's everyone who said, oh, you know, you have to be, you, you shouldn't just hate running the ball. I don't. I just, I, I want them to figure it out. And I felt like they went too far the other way by the end of this year. That's one of the things that's really funny, you know, because now we're <laughs> we've been talking the last in two years, three years now, um, about 
wanting the Colts to, to really improve that passing attack and, and let Andrew Luck take the reins and, and not try and be a power run team. And, and now we're saying, well, you know, Colts, maybe the biggest problem in the offense is they need to get a running game. So, uh, but, but I think, you know, that's like you said, that's part of the, that self-reflection process is every year you look and you say, okay, what can we get better at? And how can we, how can we get better at it? I uh, wrote a piece for the Bleacher Report this week, looking at the run game and, and why it struggled and, Really, I mean, play calling was a part of it because they did occasionally get they did get lost. You look at that game against the Patriots, for example, uh, and and part of this was just situational because they got down so quickly. But in the first half, they they were running it really well. I mean, Dan Heron was was averaging over five yards a carry. Um, he had his success rate was high. He, you know, they only ran it like six or seven times, but he was running well. Uh, and for the game, they ran it well against the Patriots when they did, but they only ran it, you know, I think they ran it 10 or less times, which in the playoffs against the team that's going to be able to score on you, it's just not conducive to a win. Um, like you said, with Richardson there, it was one thing because it felt like you were giving away plays. But since they were actually able to run it efficiently with Bradshaw earlier in the season and with Heron and, and Tipton later, it, it felt like they needed to, to be a little bit more consistent running the ball. And I think that's a big thing that they're going to need to focus on in the offseason is, is acquiring a running back, uh, or maybe more than one running back, that they are comfortable with actually running the ball you know, more than a few times a game. And I, I think Karen, a part of that was the fumbling issues that he had late in the season. I, I think that uh, you know, the Colts didn't want to be risking that uh, in, in a playoff game. But, and, and he had the injury the week before against Denver, and you're not really sure how much that plays into things. Yeah, but but definitely they need to have you know some balance and and figure out the right balance. I think that's my biggest issue with what the Colts have done over the last two years offensively. And and let me be clear, I mean they've done a good job and they 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 were a good offense this year when they weren't turning the ball over. But the thing that I would you know want them to be able to improve most of all from a coaching perspective is finding that balance. You know they haven't been great at finding the right balance between passing and running and, and finding, you know, the right balance of, of when to go heavy pass and when to go heavy run. And individual games here and there, they've been able to find it. And overall, it's it's been a little bit of a struggle. But I, I think that's something they can do. And like I said, I think Pep Hamilton did a really good job this year overall. And he's I'm glad he's coming back for another year because they, they needed some consistency at that position. That was definitely the best part of them making the AFC championship in my game. Or, it, AFC Championship team, in my opinion, uh, was teams getting impatient and hiring. In my mind, he was the best candidate. I feel like I know I'm not the first to mention this. Multiple people, you and Nate uh, Dunleavy have probably mentioned this. I feel like all of our issues with Pep last year have it's been proven, you know, at least tangentially, that those issues weren't Pep Hamilton related. They were coming from, you know, a pay grade above him or maybe two pay grades above him, where this year, especially after the Eagles loss, there definitely seemed to be a, like, okay, fine, we're going we're gonna to try some other things out. It's 2014, let's, you know, do it, let's do it this way. Let's get a combustion engine instead of the, the horse and carriage. Okay. And I, he's young, I know, but gosh, if I'm a team like, uh, I, I don't know about the Broncos, but the Raiders made a lot of sense to me. I, I I don't know. I might have even, if I'm the Browns, have made a change there. I know they like firing coaches, so why not? <laughs> because 
if I'm a young team or if I'm a team who's starting over with a new quarterback, I think I want to start with want him to start with Pep Hamilton. I don't know. I'm just I'm glad he's here for another year. Although the team seems to be really high on Chudzinski too. Maybe that's Hamilton's eventual uh replacement. I don't know. The, the one thing I, I, sorry. Go ahead. Let me touch on something. You you talked about finding balance in the running game, and I'm I'm trying to figure out how to properly put this into words. We we talked about before a long time ago how the the game felt forced, and uh, you know there there's not always a, a really good flow to it, and I feel like we're back to that. Like the runs that only again in the total opposite way. It's pass 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 pass, and the runs that come aren't flow runs. They're okay. We haven't handed off. We haven't had a handoff in 12.72 plays. Let's go. Okay, here's a handoff. Okay, we got that out of the way. Back to passing. I feel like there's a a big lack of just the best offenses are the ones that they know that you know that they know that you know that the you know <laughs> they're going to pass here. So now they're going to run and, but Hey, I know that you're going to run. So I, instead I'm going to, you know, they're always a step ahead of you. And I feel like the Colts just lack all of that. And they're like, we're going to do what we're going to do. And that's okay sometimes, but I don't think they really have the personnel, especially when Reggie Wayne fell apart and the offensive line fell apart. I don't think that they were the, the kind of passing offense that just said, Hey, we're passing it and you're not going to stop us. Those, I mean, Reggie right. especially, was a huge issue. Well, so. and, and the Maude Bradshaw going out, too, I think that was a big, and, and that was part of the balance thing. I think they were decently balanced early in the season with when Bradshaw was healthy. Are, are you afraid, I'm afraid, that the Colts are going to light some draft picks on fire for running backs? I'm not because I think they need to spend a draft pick on running back. I, I mean, I just think I think they need to get younger at you know and more players with a higher ceiling because um, you know Boom and we just got a question asked on Twitter about this. You know, could they go forward just Boom and Tipton? They did a decent job at the end of last year, and and I understand that viewpoint. And I've had a few people ask me about that. You know, you look at well, one problem is that Boom's a free agent technically. He's a he's a restricted, so he's, he likely could be back. Um, but it's not guaranteed by any means. But the thing with that is even Boom, uh, the difference between him and Richardson was pretty glaring, but Richardson's been one of the worst backs in the league for the last two years, so it's not, you know, Boom's still, to me, just average, kind of the best kind of guy. You know, you look at the the fumbling issues, you look at just the, you know, the reliability in the passing game. We saw him, I mean, he was really, really helpful in, like, the Cincinnati game. Uh, but then you go to New England and he drops two huge passes that kill drives. Um, you know, so I think you need to add someone who can be a little bit more reliable, and I think this draft is definitely somewhere where you can do that. I am a little afraid of them burning a first-round pick because <laughs> I don't think that'd be wise because there's so much depth in this That's draft. what I mean. If they use a yeah. fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, I don't care. But if they use one of those first three, you need – I mean, George spent – 50% of his time answering questions about how you need defensive playmakers. Right. You ain't getting those in the la- in the last four rounds. you got to spend some high picks on them. There's a name I want to mention. As long as it's not a first. It, so. 
As long as right. it's not a first, well, I will be okay with it. And a second is even pushing it, I think, but uh, but it wouldn't completely make me lose my mind. Uh, and I, I don't, I did, I'm on a, a little bit different standpoint than I know some people are because you know, some people are just like, no, I don't want to first. I mean, we'll we'll get an undrafted free agent and get the next, eight, you know, uh, Arian Foster because that's going to happen. And but you know, to me, I mean, I think they do need to have talent at that running back position. You look at you know the Colts. As much as we talk about the way that the Colts built the Peyton Manning uh, teams and Bill Polian, and we love Bill Polian. You know, they did spend for. I mean, they spent three first round picks on running backs that were their, you know, their starters, quote unquote. I guess Brown did never really become a starter. To our chagrin, but uh, you know, Joseph Dye was a really big part of the team that won the Super Bowl. He was a he was a big part of those teams uh, from 2007 to, to 2010 uh, that were some of the best teams that the Colts ever had. Uh, Adrian James obviously was a huge part of that offense. I think they need talent at running back to help have some of that balance and they could keep rolling the dice on late round picks and hopefully somebody steps up but the the potential is a lot lower and I think this draft is so good at running back you know not just it's not just deep but it has really good talent in the second and third round so I just I wouldn't be opposed to it as I'm saying I'm not saying please 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 spend a running back a pick on the running back but I, I would not be opposed to you know a third or, or even a second if it was a guy who dropped and, and was really talented. I do think that Boom should be back. I do agree with your premise yeah. that you can't have uh, Boom and Tipton uh, be the, be the uh, workhorses. But, and I, the tweet we got also mentioned Ballard and Bradshaw. I, Bradshaw's not going to be back. Well, maybe he will be. I have no inside information. But I, I just don't. <laughs> I don't see how that fits in with where I believe they're going this off season before he got pulled over. I kind of see him as a very low risk, very potentially high reward. Just like take whatever I said last year and repeat it. Like the guy's going to be healthy. He, when he is healthy, he's really good. And he's had two freak ends of season season ending injuries, right? Before that, he's a guy who mispracticed but played every game. Now he's a guy who, you know, you get to the Colts, you put that horseshoe on, and horseshoe guys end up on a hour, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but, but he's played 13 last... of the 37 potential games. So, I mean, that's, for me, that's just the, you know. Yeah, so, but Ballard's worse, right? He's played zero, right. <laughs> no, two, two of the potential <laughs> over the past two years. Um, so, I don't see either of those two back. If you, you use a pick on a running back, fine. Please don't spend money on DeMarco Murray. Guys, please. But I I do think Boom has the kind of talent and skill set that you mentioned Joseph Adai being a big part of the Super Bowl. So was Dominic Rhodes, and and that's kind of the duality there because one was a first-round pick, and I'm pretty sure Rhodes was an undrafted free agent, right? Uh, I think so. Or they signed him, like, off waivers or something. Well, well, anyhow. No one will look it up. No one cares. So let's just say it. I, he's impressive, you know, he can make big plays and if he can work on his fumbling and he can, if he can work on his catching, which I assume he can because people have worked on those skills in the past, then, you know, he, he's a good compliment to a legit starter. If, yeah, when definitely. he was in the game, I never felt concerned in his pass blocking. I, I think I didn't watch, 
close. They were I don't, fine, I, I thought. Don't wanna, I thought he got better at the end of the year. Yeah. yeah. Like, towards the end of the year. And people were like, oh, every time he missed a block, they they would point it out. But that to this me, that's why we have to have Trent there. Richardson. Yeah, but... <laughs> uh, never mind. I, I... Okay. So, I mentioned DeMarco Murray... Anyway, we'll we've talked about the draft a little bit. Where do you, well, let's finish up. I don't know. I'm not a draft Nick, and I, ne- I never will be because I get lost. The one thing my brain cannot handle in this world is when you throw 18,000 pieces of information at it. So I am never going to study 18,000, you know, potential draftees. So you can talk about where you want to go in the draft. My, what I'm going to say is very simple. Find playmakers. I, I don't even think I want a project like Werner. I want you to find playmakers. Newsom is a better draft pick at this point and better fits what they needed from Werner. And I'm not down on Werner. I kind of buy the whole, I talked about this on Twitter too. People were like, oh, he's a bust. You sat him for a playoff game. I kind of buy Grigson's explanation. He was banged up. He got better in the middle of the year. He had the injury. He kind of fell off, not horribly, but his play definitely declined. They were going into a game against a team that was going to do something very specific. They didn't need him for that game with that game plan, so he sat. I don't have a problem with that. I, those are, it's one of those things where his, his excuse doesn't set off my bullshit meter. You know what I mean? Like There's some excuses where you hear and you're like, eh? But that actually made sense to me. He, he complimented the player, he, he gave a realistic view of the player and then said, this is why we sat him. So I'm 100% comfortable with it. I expect him to be back. But I don't want that sort of project in the first round. I feel like if you're using a first-round pick, you should be able to find there should be 32 ready-made players in the first round. I'm, I know that's long-winded, but I just really don't think that they can afford projects. They need to be able to draft someone who is pretty much, by the end of the year, will be ready to assume a decent sized role. That's and if to. if not that, at least you see I, I hear in my opinion big time flashes of, you know, a, a core guy. Um that especially if you're looking at a, a, you know potentially a a a pass rusher, you know, a core pass rusher that they can build around or, you know, or or a core middle linebacker or something like that. Because um, you know, with with the defense and with the guys they have there, they might draft you know, say on the inside linebacker or, or a defensive lineman or, or a, you know, outside linebacker, and it might not be a guy who starts right away. Might need you know to to build up a little bit, but with with Warner, you never saw those flashes. Not as a rookie, you know, you saw some flashes of competence. Really, was was it? Um, and I, I think the guy could still be a. A, a productive player, but he's not going to be the pass rusher. He's not going to be the playmaker. He's going to be a guy who, he, I, for me, the the best outcome I can see is that strong side linebacker who can be you know, good against the run and then give you the occasional pass rush. I mean, that's kind of the ceiling. He's going to replace Eric Walden. Yeah, and, that, and that's, that's, that's it. That's the in life. So, yeah. you know, for the Colts, it's you. You, I think you have to get a high ceiling guy. So maybe that means right away, maybe they're NFL ready, although it's it's hard to be both NFL ready and high ceiling that late, you know, in the draft at 29. 
but I think they absolutely mm-hmm. have to be a guy who, okay, this is a guy who could potentially be an all pro. I mean, that's, that's, for me, that has to be their mindset, no matter what position it ends up being. Well, another conversation you and I had, and I, as we transition from draft to free agency, I think that this is really the most important question that the Colts have to answer, but that we'll answer now. We have, what, 18 minutes left in this episode, so try to be concise. How many holes do the Colts have to fill? Because depending on who you ask, it's somewhere between 22 and 4. So, I mean, it's a pretty wide variety of holes that need to be filled. So what are your thoughts on how many holes need to be filled? Because I, I get the feeling that even if you hit on your first three drafts, uh, your first three rounds, like say he pulls a 2012 out of his draft butt and he gets, you know, those kind of players, I still don't feel like they've fixed everything wrong, especially with the defense. No, they, they absolutely can't. I mean, I said it, today I wrote a piece on, on the draft or the, the offseason needs for Coastal Authority, just a quick, you know, little kind of primer. They've got in my mind, they have four positions that are really low on, just low on bodies, right? So safety, you have two guys on the roster. None of them are starters. Uh, inside linebacker, there's three guys on the roster. One of them is a starter. Uh, you know, tackle and cornerback both have two starters, but like zero depth. So to me, those four positions, you have, you have no choice but to address in the offseason. But you've got a lot of needs elsewhere too, and that's the problem is you've got other positions where you have a lot of bodies, but little quality. So even looking at like wide receiver, which a lot of people would have said was was a strength for the Colts coming in to last season, uh, you know now you only have Hilton and Moncrief, and 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 that's it really. You know you've got Carter, but who knows what Carter's going to be? And and really Moncrief, you don't even know what he's going to be yet. He has potential to step up, like George said, uh, but you you're not really sure what that's going to come up. So. You've got that. You've got, obviously, the mess at the interior of the line, which I think was better than some people think, but you still, you know, nothing is really certain there. Uh, you've got Muhort, and then you've got a bunch of kind of you know, project guys. Uh, and then defense, you know, defensive line and, and outside linebacker, again, a lot of bodies, but no playmakers. And that's what you, you really need is you need those playmakers. So you, you have needs everywhere. Um, and, and that's both the blessing and the curse when you look at the draft and free agency is, you can just try and get the best value, which is the good side. Uh, but the downside is you're probably not going to fill all of those needs, and that's just the reality of it. But but no team you know is perfect, and no team doesn't have holes. So they can go out and they might not fix everything this off season, but that doesn't mean they're not going to be you know they're not still going to be a Super Bowl team this time next year. Who knows? So how would you? I think you were the one who made the salient point. Uh, when it, when Leron Landry was cut, you said it doesn't matter that he's cut because having Sergio Brown in there was no different than having him in there. Basically, it matters. <laughs> you, you were, you're no worse off for having cut him. He's not a replacement-level yeah. player. And the guy who was serving as a, as his backup wasn't a replacement-level player. Like you were getting bad play no matter what, so cutting him – didn't hurt your team in any way. I want to take a brief yeah, aside because when all these contracts were signed, everyone was like, hey, it's fine because he can cut them at any time. And I was always like, but he still signed these guys and those are the guys who are filling the position. Like, 
the position's been filled, so it's still an issue while he's on the team. And then when he gets inevitably gets cut, you have to then refill the position. So it's not just like cutting these guys is fine. It's great that they don't owe him any money. It's great that they save money. It's great that they can cut him. But next time around, let's not find someone to cut. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I got you. Um, that's, I mean, the thing for with the Landry thing is just that you, know, you have some people who are saying, oh, well, now safety is a really big need for the Colts. And I guess it's good because it, it brought that issue to light for some people. But uh, for the most part, yeah, I think, you know, if you've, you've got a guy who was bad and you need to upgrade him, then it didn't really matter if he was cut or not. They, they need to get they need to get an upgrade. Um, and that was what I was saying to George, too, is that, you know, now you've got all these other guys that are still on the roster who haven't lived up to expectations, the Waldens and the Tollers and the Dean Francois and whatnot. Uh, and you could cut them, sure, but you don't have anybody to replace them with. So, you know, there's they weren't just the you know, kind of fill-in temporary replacements that you know, those kind of the hope was either they'd be temporary or they'd step up and they'd develop into what, you know, Gregson and, and the Colts staff thought they would be. You know, there's been a few. There's been a few guys that they've took chances on that have paid off. You know, Mike Adams. That was a fantastic one. Um, you know, the the Boom, Boom Heron was a, you know another a guy that they just you know they signed off the street. But they neither of those guys were signed to be starters. You know, Mike Adams was signed to compete with Delano Howell and compete with Sergio Brown for the job, and and he won the job and he outperformed his his contract. Uh, Boom Heron was signed to be a backup running back, and he ended up being better. That's good. Uh, but they didn't sign these below-average guys to start, and that's what they did with, you know, with, and not that Toler and Walden are all necessarily below-average, but nobody is a playmaker. Nobody, is, nobody is, is good. Nobody is a stud. Nobody is a guy you can build around. And that's what they need, both in free agency and the draft. But it, it's also hard because you, you do look at how much money can they really spend. Uh, and that's my issue, you know, when you guys look at, okay, well, we need to do whatever we can you know, to, to sign uh, Indom Kung Su. Yeah. Really, anything? <laughs> anything you can? Because you know, J.J. Watt got paid a six-year, $100 million contract last year, and I'm not really sure a team with the contract that Andrew Luck's going to have can afford to do that. So Sue is, the to me, the most intriguing name. Uh, in free agency because I feel simultaneously that he is the one piece at the one position that can make a huge difference for the defense. We talk about the inconsistency of the back end. We talk about how obviously there's no depth there and, and no starters at safety. All of that sort of gets covered up if you have a defensive line and outside linebackers who can harass the quarterback. Yeah, Sue is going to be probably as you know better than anyone else in free agency and or in the draft where they're picking. But at the same time, cost a ton of money. I, I don't think he's going to say, oh, the chance to play in Indianapolis, okay, I'll take a discount. He's not going to say that anywhere. No. And B, we, we've spent all episodes talking about off-field issues and how that's going to impact everything. This guy has on-field issues. Like, this guy is a walking suspension waiting to happen. So uh, everything that, as much as I, I feel like the coaching staff has to look at this guy and go, wow, I feel like that th- he's the one guy that they just are not going to touch. But I will say they are clearing space for something, and I do not believe that they are clearing space for the future 
Grixon has something in his mind that he wants to do, and I have no clue what it is, but I really feel like they are going after someone on March 10th. I just don't think that there is. I think a guy that the only guy that I see in this offseason that could really come in and be the elite player that the money would need him to be to kind of live up to that contract is Justin Houston, just because he's a scheme fit. He's, uh, you know, he's proven himself on the field multiple years in a row. He doesn't have necessarily the off-field stuff. Um, but I don't know if he, I, I don't think he's going to get out of Kansas City. And really, I don't think Sue's going to get out of Detroit, to be honest, but you never know. Um, but the problem, anyway, the philosophically, the problem for me is just you can't sign huge contracts in free agency. You know, big, long-term, committed contracts and expect them to work out. It's just, it's just rare that they do. Uh, because you do, you have a transition from one team to another, from one locker room to another, from one scheme to another, from one playbook for, to another. It just there's so many factors. It's hard to get. On a, you know, if if a team is going to let somebody go, there's a reason why they're letting them go. And teams can pretty much do whatever they want with the cap. I mean, they can make it work if if it's a guy that is worth making it work. And so if 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 somebody is being let go. There's a reason. That doesn't mean he's a bad player. It just means there is there is risk there. And so when you sign these guys to these huge mega million contracts, which is what Sue's going to get, it's it's it just rarely works out. Well, I don't want to see like years pass where multiple guys get signed to right sizable contracts. But I wouldn't mind seeing one one guy get signed. I don't yeah. know which and way I, he's I mean, going to go. There are some big guys out there that I think could, you know, I, I think Devin McCourty could be a really great pickup at safety. Um, but, you know, again, it's, it's, who knows who's going to be available and whatnot. Anyway, but uh, we're we're going to have a few shows um, in the next, you know, couple months. We're going to have shows specifically looking at draft and looking at some potential draft picks, potential pos- uh, positions, excuse me, to be drafting early a few positions to be drafting late. We're going to be looking at free agency and specific guys who are going to be available, specific guys that could be good fits, uh, trying to line up some, some you know, different guests to come in uh, and talk about those specific topics. I'm, I'm really excited about what we can do with this, this off-season podcast, so uh, won't, you know, won't spoil too much of it now, but uh, again, really excited about what we can do with it with the off-season, and again, it, it helps kind of... <laughs> that the Colts have so many holes because that means we have more to talk about. <laughs> have you t- told everyone about the Ryan Grigson interview that you're going to be doing? Or <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that'd be fun. Uh, that was... <sighs> we can wonder... Grigson and Hamilton and then Trent Richardson all on and like subsequent podcasts. It'd be great. Wow. I was going to say, I wonder how many questions before Grigson hangs up, but never mind. How many questions before Richardson hangs up? Like half? Yeah, half of a question. <laughs> Trent, thanks for joining us. Uh, when I see the number three point click. <laughs> oh, man. It's so, ah, oh, man. I, cause at some point, you, it's like, man, I I don't want to dog on these players. They're, you know, they're in play for the Colts, and I approve the Colts. I'm a Colts fan. I cover the Colts, and it's more enjoyable to cover the Colts if they're winning and if you know the players are good and whatnot. But it's it's really hard sometimes. <laughs> it's it's hard. There were people who didn't see this Trent Richardson thing, 
Trent Richardson thing coming. But for people who did, I just have to imagine, because I know how I feel, very hard to be excited about a team who gleefully signs their own death sentence. I don't know. But there's this move that they've made. I I don't think it's hindsight. When you or I had podcasts on free agency day and we're like, you know, the the signing of Laurent Landry is going to come back to bite the team in the butt. Or maybe you don't take a perennial backup with the Patriots and give them starter money. I mean, that, the fact that Thomas, right? Yeah. Who, who is the guard? For, ha, yeah. Has torn his knee up twice or his legs up twice. That's not really his fault, but that's still kind of the risk you run with a guy who never started. And now you're paying him to start. And now, okay, he can't handle it. You know, these are just the things. And it's it's hard to be happy or entertained or energetic, enthusiastic about a team who just keeps making mistakes. And you can tell that they're mistakes in real time. And then they kind of double down on those mistakes. Just outside of uh, Stephen Holder, who would have given Trent Richardson as much rope as these guys did? Dockett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I good, wish, right? yeah, I wish I had people in my life that would blindly tout everything I did the way those two have done for no, it's not even everything that Grixon's done, just that specific move. Just Okay, it's, yeah, it's good. the college yeah. thing, man. I mean, people, you you get caught up on on the star players in college, and it happens. I mean, it's it's fine. It it is what it is. But I'm gonna be really excited. I'm just gonna be really excited if Richardson is in fact, uh, you know, gone. Not just because I don't like him as a player or as a person, but because I just it's, it's tiring to talk about still. I mean, it it just is. It's it's exhausting. Um, it's been two years. Let's let's just move on. So. Landry's gone. There's one. There's one down. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, want to get. You want to get as a fan of the team and as somebody who covers the team. You want to have. You want to have players that you can get excited about and guys that you're excited to talk about and excited, you know, potentially to talk to. You know, like I just love watching Ty Hilton and and I really enjoy watching Jonathan Newsom and Monte Davis. And, you know, it's just, you really like the moves that work, and they're fantastic. So I hope every move works out. But when, when you know, things happen that you don't foresee working out, uh, you also have to call them as you see them. Yep. And, hey, they they got Vontae right more than uh, – speaking of doubling down on bad decisions, I, I kept calling it a bad one even after he, had, he, he was good. So – you know, well, I don't know if I ever went as far to say bad, but I I never fell in love with the move, and he's been amazing. So hey, remember that remember that argument we had about Monte Davis on the show, well, like last year or two years ago. We never really had quote unquote arguments, but you were right and I was wrong, and I'm I'm man enough to say that on the air that I was wrong. <laughs> that's, that's fine because he's been really good, and yeah, you know what? When I'm wrong about that, I don't mind because I want. <laughs> I want him to be really good. The the thing, oh, we're out of time, but the thing about the Trent Richardson thing that you and I can agree on is even if he had been better than he was, you still don't burn the first-round pick on a running back. 
especially where this yeah. team was. Like, it was a gross miscalculation of how far down the road this team was. And just forgetting the, the, the mis-evaluation of who he was as a player, I just feel like that's not a move you make for your team unless they're much further along in the process. And they weren't that far along. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was. It was. <laughs> what else can we say about it? You know, it's, it's one of those things. Everybody has finally flipped sides. You know, there's there's no more besides hope. I do feel bad for him. All right, so we've got sixty seconds uh, left okay. on the podcast. Um, I will I will be back whenever you ask me to. So. All right. Cool. Great. We'll be back. Okay. Um, and we're gonna have some other other guests on. Like I said, some specific guests for some specific topics. Uh, the rest of the shows this offseason won't last this long. We're, we're going to be shooting for close to an hour, uh, potentially under an hour, and keep them kind of more traditional podcast length. But I'm really excited about it. Really excited about to see what the Colts do this offseason, and uh, excited with the you know for interacting with all the the listeners and, and readers and whatnot on Twitter and the comments and everything else on the podcast. So we'll we'll have some some listener oriented podcasts as well throughout the offseason. So again, really excited about it. Look forward to talking to you all as we head throughout the year. And, uh, again, you can find us both on Twitter at ColtsOff underscore uh, at Greg Cowan, C-A. C-A. For Greg. Yeah. All right. We'll see Bye. you guys okay. next week. Bye, everyone. <laughs>